Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of On Shayemet Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Igg about this week's Torah portion of Vayera. Too salty? What we can learn from Lot's wife. I've been thinking about situations in my life where I might have waited too long to make a decision or stayed in a situation longer than I should have. And, you know, you look back with some regret and you want to see if you've learned from those situations. Do you think of situations in your life like that? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we all look back on, on things and, and wonder if we made the right call. And um, I can think of, you know, relationships I stayed in too long. And then the relationships that I wondered if I got out of too soon, you never yeah. know. You can only, you know, you look back at the, at the obvious failures or you look back at the great successes and you think, Oh, I made the, that one's clear, but there's so many gray areas where you're never sure. Like what would have happened if I'd stuck with that job or stuck with that town or stuck with that relationship, or those are the ones that really can play with your head. And I think what's difficult is looking back and, of course, playing, you know, Monday morning quarterback and saying, well, there was a red flag. There was a red flag. There was a red flag. <laughs> yeah, right. And why did you choose not to see the red flags? Why didn't you simply acknowledge the situation and move on without looking back and saying this is the best thing you could have done? Yeah. And I think often it's because we, when we look back, we can't quite recapture the passion that we felt at the time. So you can't recreate the state that your mind was in, whether it's the youthful enthusiasm or the youthful stupidity, the older you um, can remember the facts, but you can't always remember the feelings. I think that's true. And I guess what I would add to it is there are moments when you stay and when you go can make all the difference. Sometimes it comes down to that physical choice, literally, you know, like, am I going to stay in this place with this current set of circumstances or am I going to move on? And sometimes moving on is the bravest thing you can do. And sometimes it's retreat. It's cowardice. I'm leading up to the portion this week because you have the ultimate situation in the Bible of somebody who is torn about staying and going and a person who pays a great uh, consequence for that. And I'm thinking of Lot's wife. And in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and God's and Abraham's bargaining over how many righteous people will save the city is a subtext about Lot, Abraham's questionable nephew, and all of his kind of underhanded dealings. But we get to meet Lot's family in this story, and Abraham is continually concerned with him. And when the news comes that the city is going to be destroyed, Lot is warned. He says, you got to get out, Abraham says, and you can't turn back. Like once you make the decision to leave, you can't turn back. And that's exactly the story. And the family gets separated for all kinds of reasons. But Lot's wife is fleeing the city, but she turns back. And the moment she turns back, she turns into a pillar of salt. It's an interesting concept. And perhaps this is kind of an ideological story about origins. Because if you go down to the Dead Sea area, probably existed, right? You have these kind of mounds of salt. So it was not hard to say, oh, that's Lot's wife, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's where she is. But the story is more complex than that. How do you leave a place that you know? When do you decide that things aren't going to turn around? 
When do you decide you have to go? And is this demand that God is making, like, follow me, don't turn back, just, you know, give me your whole heart and your whole soul, and we'll move forward together, and great things are going to happen. Is that, you know, okay, so there's an Abraham out there, but for ordinary people, isn't that a lot to ask? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and it gets back to what we were saying before, is it's it's easy to judge in retrospect uh, whether you should have stayed or whether you should have gone. And I guess the question I would ask in a moment of uncertainty, should our default be to move forward? Should our default be take the chance, take the steps? Is there a metaphor at work here in, in Lot's story? Is one of the messages here, don't be afraid to move forward when the opportunity arises? The positive way of looking at it is when there's an opportunity, you got to move forward and you have to take, be willing to take the risk. This is a story about escaping destruction. Mm -hmm. The other part of the story is about recognizing why you're leaving this place and why you should have left it a long time ago. It is a place teeming with immorality. It was a horrible place. And so you have to sort of question like, what was keeping me there all along? And again, am I leaving because it's dangerous or am I leaving because I have a better opportunity to go forward? In a sense, Abraham's call by God is leaving for something more positive. Lot's wife is in a situation where she's leaving because it's dangerous. And yet she's a human being and she looks back and she is still connected. And I guess what strikes me about this story, Jonathan, is that it's in a sense kind of a um, precursor to Jewish history. How many times have Jews been in that situation? Do we stay or do we go? What do we do, right? Like the warning signs are everywhere. Is it going to blow over? Can we just kind of suck it up and, you know, get along? Or, or do we leave? That's right. It's kind of remarkable in that way. Well, I think that almost everybody listening to this podcast, um, all three of them, um, have uh, stories about their ancestors uh, coming to America, right? We are a people of, of the diaspora. We are children of immigrants and grandchildren of immigrants. And I often wonder, what was it that finally compelled my great-grandparents to leave Russia, to leave Austria? You know, what was the straw that, that broke the camel's back that made them decide to risk everything and move? In some cases, you know, splitting up their families so that one person could come at a time, taking this enormous risk into the unknown. And I can remember my grandparents talking about it and saying they, you know, they heard in America, the streets were paved with gold. When they got here, it was a far cry from that. They were living in, you know, tenement housing with, with no toilets. And, and the courage that that took is remarkable. And I wonder, you know, would I have been one of those people who said, well, no, this will blow over, you know, it'll get better. I, I can't imagine leaving my family behind. We all have those stories in our history. It is a part of who we are. Well, I think that's exactly right. And in other words, Lot's wife's story is built into our own reality, right? I mean, this is part of my family's story too. Where did they leave and what were they leaving? And what did it take to get on a boat where I'm quite sure my family came in steerage and, mm -hmm. and to go through this horrible journey and get to Ellis Island and then be faced with the new world, which, you know, the streets were hardly paved with gold. There were sweatshops. There were all kinds of things. And there was very significant anti-Semitism that they were dealing with. In other words, they didn't leave the anti-Semitism of their past and then find this kind of brave new world where it didn't exist. It existed. And it was challenging for Jews. 
I agree with you. It, it took a lot to make that decision. The difference with the story of Lot's wife was that I don't think that our relatives looked back longingly at Poland, like, gosh, if we could just go back to Poland, everything would be okay, or I right, really right. long for the days when we were under the czar. You know, it's right. like that, that, that didn't happen. I'll tell you that it did happen for Jews who came from Arab lands, mm -hmm. Jews in Morocco, Jews in Syria, Jews in Iraq, right? They lived for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, it wasn't always easy, but it was a far cry from what Jews uh, lived under in Eastern Europe and in Western Europe. They do look back longingly. If you talk to a Jew who grew up in Morocco, they go back regularly. They love Morocco. Um, Israel was, was challenging for them when they came uh, to Israel, when they made Aliyah. There are different stories out there uh, about the Jewish past. And I guess I, I'm thinking about your mention of salt and what it might symbolize earlier in our conversation. And if you think about it, what does salt do? It, it preserves things, right? It stops decay. It, it, it kind of freezes something in place. It stops the natural process of decay. So in a sense, the salt is a very good metaphor for Lot's wife because she sort of frozen. She was trying to preserve something that was actually didn't really exist in an unnatural way. And she was struggling with that decision. And um, I think that's also part of our lives. When am I, you know, putting salt on something that I shouldn't be preserving? And when should I allow it to go forward? How do I do that? And that's a very hard question in Jewish history, right? Think about the cases where young people would go to their parents. This was in Poland, I think in Germany, before the, uh, before the Shoah, saying, we've got to get out. We've got to go now. Parents would laugh and the children would go and they would move to Israel. And the parents then you know, suffered the flames of the Holocaust. And this is a Jewish story in a very powerful way. It's a very hard one. I, I guess I'm going to start a club of, you know, sympathetic fans of Lot's wife. Um, yeah, it, it's easy to identify with that nature, you know, cling to what you have. It's, it's easy to identify with the, the conservative approach, like, I'm not going to take that leap into the unknown. Uh, you know, things may be bad here, but at least I know what I'm dealing with, right? There's a part of our psychology that the danger is you do become stuck. In the beginning of our conversation, we talked about, you know, should our default be move forward, uh, when in doubt, move forward? And, and can that help us? You know, because the question is in the moment, does all that help you or, or are you still frozen by your instinct to stay and to tough it out? And that makes all the difference, right? That image, you know, of um, the fiddler on the roof, that Chagall image, right? Mm -hmm. That Jews are still trying to play their unique song, knowing that their life is precarious. And for much of our history, it has been precarious. And we came to America and we chose, and this is an interesting point here, we chose to believe in America. Even when America was not what we expected it to be, well, not what we had hoped it would be. You know, it's an interesting issue. I read this recently, a book by Dara Horn called People Love Dead Jews. At the beginning of November, we're going to have a chance to have a Zoom conversation, which I hope people will come and listen to. But one of the points that she makes in her book is that research shows that virtually no Jews 
actually had their names changed at Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. Right? This myth that Jews tell, you know, well, my grandfather had a long name and they, they shortened it to something very American sounding, right? And these are stories that, that Jews have passed down. And what the research shows is that the choice to change our names came from the Jewish community, right? Then there are all the records in New York City, for instance, show Jews coming to a court, which you had to do to change your name and making the point that it was a burden for their children to have a Jewish sounding name. What, what that's saying is, is that when Jews came to this country, they realized at a very early period that they were trading one challenging situation for another. But they were going to preserve this one. They were going to make a go of it in this one. And so the precariousness of Jewish history is also part of the story of Lot's wife. I think it's something worth considering. Yeah, you can make the argument that changing your name was part of moving forward. And it might seem like it's assimilating. It might seem like it's giving up some of your identity. But to look at it you know, in a more positive way, you can say that's getting on with your life and adapting and moving on. I couldn't agree more. I think that Jews love playing this game of 2020 hindsight. Well, if I would have been there, I can't believe that they succumbed to that, that they didn't get up and speak out. I can't believe they didn't hold on to their identity. And we tend to celebrate those people that did. But I also think that we weren't living in that moment. We weren't being denied a job. We weren't trying to support our kids. And so I think that we need to be understanding and even sympathetic, like Lot's wife and those who made hard decisions. They chose to stay when they should have gone. But those are hard decisions to make. And part of it has to do with Jewish history. Part of it has to do with our own beliefs, but I think it's one that's worthy of our consideration in every age. What am I staying for? Why am I committed to this? And what does it mean to go forward without it? I mean, I think those are all real questions. Yeah, right. If you can stay in place and still find a way to go forward, maybe that works. But going forward, I think, is the uh, the theme that I want to take from this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Rabbi. Bye.